Hello and welcome to Dicte, the podcast, the podcast for Dicte the Game, the website where you can find all sorts of FM guides, experiments and stories, all sorts of FM content. Uh, you can find us, of course, at dictatedgame.com or at dictatedgame on Twitter and by the same name on Facebook. My name is Fernando, aka Roxanne FM, and I'm introducing those who join me with me. How Luke? How's it going, Luke? I'm very good. I got a new gen, so I'm yeah. very, very happy. I'm very happy <laughs> at found, the moment. He found his own new gen game, so he's dreaming about it. We also have our newest writer with us. His name is Das. How's it going, Das? Hi there, guys. Yes, uh, uh, good to be joining on this first um, first of many, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first week, first article, first podcast. We, we have you working long hours, aren't we? Yeah, that's the one. Well, I'd rather uh, get in, you know, get involved straight from the off and uh, go in uh, hard from the start, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, where are you from? How long have you been playing a fan or whatever you want to tell us about you so that people can know you a bit more? Yes. So um, as, as you introduced, uh, my name's Daz. Uh, I'm one half of uh, Pint of Football, which is a, um, well, it started off as a um, ground hopping blog, which for anyone who doesn't know what ground hopping is, it's uh, basically turning up at uh, football grounds up and down the country, up and down the world, wherever I can get to, uh, and just basically doing write-ups about the um, the football grounds I've been to. So myself and um, the other person, Tom, who's involved with it, we do that. That's our primary reason for setting up Pint of Football. But then on the side, we have a lot of other projects on the go, things like podcasts and um, the rest of it. Um, and of course, now uh, also part of Dictate the Game um, as a as an article writer as well. So, been based in uh, Stafford in the Midlands in the UK. Uh, really, really handy for uh, travelling around for football matches. But of course, that's uh, not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the good stuff, which is Football Manager. Um, I've been playing Football Manager since well since as long as I can remember, really. Uh, certainly since my early teenage years. Um, I'm 29 now, so, yeah, at least uh, more than half of my life is probably the best uh, way to say it without being inaccurate. Um, started off playing uh, as a youngster. Used to play a lot of uh, what I'd call more simple saves as a youngster as I was trying to get used to the game, sort of starting as quite generic um football league teams but as i've got a bit older and hopefully a bit wiser um i've started uh, exploring a bit more into the uh, hidden reaches of the game some of the leagues that perhaps not many people play very regularly so yeah that's me that's interesting and that's great to have you uh, with us we're very lucky to have you so thanks a lot for joining and for joining us today on the podcast um so we're gonna start off with our uh, home dressing room where we talk about the latest content from Dictator Game on the last uh, week or the time we had since the last podcast. In the last podcast, sorry. I'm gonna start with you, Luke, because you had an article uh, similar to one we already we already featured here in the poll, but with a different league. You have the Every Club Vision in the uh, English Premier League, of course. So why don't you tell us a bit about what's what's that all about? So yes, yeah, so I I decided to. It's it's a bit like. When you, you, you haven't done your homework and you want to copy your mates, but you change it a bit to make it make sense. 
And I thought everyone really liked the Club Vision MLS guide, and it was I really enjoyed writing it. And I thought the amount of people who managed in the Premier League might might not be sure what one to manage. I thought it would be a perfect guide because Club Vision is so vital in the game now. So I thought that'd be such a good guide, and it's it's all about it's so many different stuff. I was shocked by how different some clubs are. Like some clubs, like I think Newcastle, don't have a five point a five year plan because they want to be sold. But at least you don't have a plan. It's but some are really ambitious. Some are really ambitious. Like like I was surprised by Man City. Man City only want to qualify for the Champions League, which for me is quite poor by their standards. They sack managers for not winning the league, let alone like, like the main United want to win the Champions League. So it's amazing to see all these different plans that and how they think you should do and what you shouldn't do. So yeah, it's a really good article to write. You can you can check it out. All my MLS one if you want to manage an MLS, and I put, I will be doing will be doing another one in a month's time. For a league, but will remain mystery for now. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting what you say because uh, sometimes I feel like uh, the club visions are, are well. I think it's, they're a great addition to the game. I think that sometimes I found it a, a bit lacking me myself, uh, and, and it's interesting to see every one single them because you can see some similarities, and I think that follows a bit like. The, the trends that football are going like so many clubs want you to play you know attacking football signing young players play entertaining football I think that's a bit the way of the, the, the game is going lately uh, you know after uh, Guardiola's uh, Barcelona right revolutionized everything uh, so it, it's interesting to see how that seeps into in, into the game what was one that surprises you apart from you know the Manchester City one maybe from from the lower leagues uh, from the lower part of the table. What was one that surprised you? I, I recall that uh, Burnley has perhaps, I think, the only one that asks, asks for uh, defensive football, of course, like pretty much some, some Dutch ball. Uh, so what was one that really surprised you from the bottom part of the table? Um, I, I would actually say one that's probably the bottom part of the table. It may be not too surprising from how we're doing well this season, but Aston Villa, Aston Villa want to be in maintaining the top part finish, which is what I think is a big ask in the game for Aston Villa. Then you got uh, even Fulham, Fulham want Fulham, that's probably the biggest shock. Fulham would like to be maintaining top part finishes for the end of five years. I think that's a big, big one because I wouldn't say they're that sort of standard, personally. So that yeah, I'd say that's probably the more the more surprising one, actually. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting. Also, I was checking like the influence of of the modern game because you have this United, which is a club that historically at least hasn't been related to you know uh, Barcelona Ajax style football, but their their um, their club vision asks for play entertaining football. And attacking football, so I guess that's some some BLSI influence over there. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting interesting to see how they they mutate and and 
uh, perhaps a bit deviate from from what historically each club has has been has represented, uh, and, and more currently linked to what the, the modern length pre, modern day Premier League is, isn't it? Yeah, so I think I feel like the Premier League is growing so much at the moment, and like you said, all these different managers coming in. Every era has a manager that changes the game. For Nazis, you have Dad Wenger, who completely changed football with dietary. In the 2000s, you had Mourinho's. The Mourinho, we basically ripped apart English football. Like, we didn't even try to be Chelsea. And, then, and, and the next, this one, you got, you had your Pep go, you had your Pep. In 2017, we came to Man City, broke all the records. And, and who knows what this, this era would be, but it would be someone, and every time football, it, it, um, it involves, it evolves every 10 years or so, and it gets get better and better and better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it, it is certainly the case. But we also have, uh, we had this week, that's article, and um, well, you say English football is getting better and better, but actually that article is out like trying to check if uh, it's not actually, if it's a bit overhyped. Uh, so why don't you tell us that a bit, what about uh, from Kingston to Kirkwood Bridge is, is, is all about, because it's a really interesting concept. Yes, yeah, so um, basically the idea behind um, my experiment, uh, which as you've just said is uh, from Kingston to Goodbury, which, um, uh, a small Scottish town. Um, the aim of the article is to ask a question that I think if you asked anybody the question outright, they would probably just one word answer say yes. But this is more of an experiment to find out the extent of the answer. And the question is, are football players from the UK overhyped? So, you know, the, the point of the article is um, to look at players from the UK um, and see if there are um, better, um, cheaper versions of those players out there. Um, the best way I thought to do this was to replace um, a team from the UK with an equivalent team um, value-wise of players from um, somewhere that's not particularly recognised for football, uh, hence the title from Kingston, because uh, I've decided to go with a Caribbean theme for it. Uh, so what I've done is I've replaced all of the players from the worst team in Scotland. And when I say the worst team, I mean the uh, team that's expected to finish bottom of the league. And I've replaced them with players from the Caribbean. Um, in an ideal world, if the uh, experiment pans out, it will be interesting just to see how far I can take the team. Uh, but of course, um, with it being a team of players that are not from uh, the UK, certainly with things like Brexit and work permits and international call-ups and all the other things that are going to crop up with this team of um, Caribbean players. I'm just um, interested to see if there's any hurdles along the way that make it become impossible to progress anymore. Yeah, I mean, when, when I was reading it, I was uh, instantly thought, like, this is such an, uh, an original concept. I mean, I, I've actually never seen something similar done of course we have our very own uh pelam aka fm tahiti uh managing managing in in small football uh iceland i mean but uh but this is such an interesting concept and i was wondering how you plan to to 
get it, um, keep it going forwards? Are you going to try to uh, recruit exclusively from those islands going forward? Are you trying to set up some like um, you you set up that produces players from there? Because I mean, eventually the players you you currently have are going to either start retiring or declining. How what is your plan going forward to to keep it going, or is it just see how long you can take this specific set of players and and not push it forward? Well, I think in an ideal world, if I manage to bring the team up into the top division, the SPL, um, I would like to think that by that point, I'll be able to um, tempt players from abroad, from the Caribbean, to actually come in. Um, and of course, in Europe, there are lots and lots of Caribbean players out there. Um, but I know from the start, that's going to be practically impossible to do. Um I certainly haven't got the scouting ability to go into Europe to look for Caribbean players. Um, I haven't got the sort of ability to bring players in on trial from abroad, the um, obvious restrictions. And of course, work permits would be a huge issue um, as well. So I think the very, very short term, the first two seasons will be to try and um, do as well as we can with the team we've got. Um, and then, of course, um, when we maybe get into the Scottish Championship, I would potentially then try and look at um, UK players, uh, sorry, U um, uh, UK Caribbean players, uh, so players that are already living with uh, And then, obviously, further afield, if and when I manage to get to the SPL. Uh, it would be brilliant if we'd uh, get to Europe and then sign Leon Bailey and, uh, you know, <laughs> become the best team in the world. But. I, I think that's that's probably a bit beyond the uh, experiment's uh, parameters, really. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely see how that'd be a bit tricky, but it, it will be really interesting to see how uh, how it moves forward. Of course, you can find a tax article as well as looks at dictatorgame.com, as long as which a bunch of articles from a very talented set of writers. But it's time to to move away from from our own no cozy little home, and venture into the fantastic FM community. We move into the weather dressing room to see what was your favorite content from uh, the community from this past time. Um, I'm going to start with you, Lugo. What was the best content from the community that you read, watched, and uh, whatever it was that you, how you consumed it uh, this past time? Um, so... I'm pretty sure I said him last week, but I will say him again because I think he's one of the best content creators out there. And it's Dr. Benji. Um, I love the articles, the articles, the videos. I get so ama so amazing, and the stories he come up with. I just love it. Like he he finally come up with story after story after story, and I just. Oh, God, he's just so amazing. Um, well, Zealand is now a good shout. Work of space, doing some amazing content at the moment. So, yeah, there's a lot of people making great content at the moment, which is always good to see. Yeah, I mean, this, this past couple of, of, of months, we have so many great contents. I mean, uh, I think the past podcast, I, I mentioned the Fox in the Boxes uh, training a series of articles, uh, so a video, sorry. So yeah, it's absolutely a lot of great content going on at the moment. What about you, Dax? What was the favorite content from a member of the community that you saw lately? 
Well, actually, as a uh, as a new member of um, Take the Game, I've actually been more focusing in house and um, you know sort of uh, doing my homework, so to speak, on what's already out there from the content from Dictate the Game. So I've just sort of been catching up on old articles from from you guys mainly because, for one, it's a good way to get to know you all uh, without actually meeting everyone. Uh, But for two, um, it's just good to see what's already on the page uh, for when I I obviously come to start doing my own articles after after the first one. Um, In terms of... um, podcasts yeah same again you know i've been trying to listen to a few of um you know dictate the podcasts podcast first uh just to get a flavor for what you guys are like and then what i'll probably do is make a bit of a short list based on what you guys talk about to then um branch out my arms a bit to look at other ones i guess so did you sorry did you hear about ryan pancake kink no what was that okay Okay, keep listening. You get there eventually. You get you get to hear about Ryan's pa- pancake fetish. So, oh, right. okay. I get there in the end. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds sounds pretty good, and it's almost pancake day, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> well, well, if you keep really listening to the to the pod, you're gonna eventually learn about uh, Luke's Dax McCarthy obsession. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a lot of of DTG lore to to find around. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that, that that's great. I mean, I and that's great that uh, you've been you know doing your your due diligence. What was one article that you found that you really really like looked at it and go like, whoa, this was really interesting. Just give me one. So for me, um, and I'm a bit of um, a bit biased because I do like starting um, in the non-league and the lower leagues, but. There is an article um, on the page. Which is a um, basically, it's a, a beginner's guide to starting in the lower leagues, and I can't remember off the top of my head who wrote it. But well, I think I it might have been Ryan. I think. Yeah, um, it might have been. Um, I'll, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, it was a really good one because I just remember as I was reading it, thinking, you know, six or seven, eight years ago when I started playing a lot of lower league and non-league. Um, seasons it would have been really really useful to have read this guide because it's even little things like when you start as a lower league team that far down quite often you arrive and they've got zero players and zero staff so you actually end up basically losing your first two to three weeks of pre-season trying to get an assistant manager and a scout so that you can then start to build your team so um yeah it was good because it's kind of the year's worth of struggles I've been going through. Um, that guide would have probably given me a really good head start rather than having to work it all out for myself. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much great great content going around at DDG. I think it was uh, studying a non-league save from, from Craig, wasn't it? Oh, yes, yes, Craig. It, it was, Craig. It's not that old. I think it's only a couple of weeks yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. then yeah, it's, Craig, it's Craig's article. That's another fantastic piece. Uh, well, myself, I actually have to go to a very recent article. I think it was released today, or if not, well, I mean, at release date, it was released today. Uh, probably, if it's when this goes live, uh, it will probably have been four or three days. Um, but it's um, the latest article by by FM Renzi. He goes about uh, using the next match only 
uh, option when you are setting your team for your next match uh, to make some tactical adjustments when you're about to face maybe maybe an opposition that perhaps your your tactical setup doesn't fit. Perhaps you are usually playing a more aggressive style, but you maybe you're going to a cl- uh, a cap tie against a, a, a top division, top tier club, and you want to play it maybe a bit more a bit safe, or perhaps it's something uh, similar. Uh, he he also about how how he used it to actually beat. He's managing, I believe, and uh, Sweden. He beat uh, AAK uh, on the Sweden Cup, and he used it to you know make his usual tactic a bit more uh, you know cautious against a, a big side and how he took advantage of that. It was actually really interesting. It was an option that was introduced, I believe, in FM21. And I, I heard it's one of those things that you don't really think about how to, to use him in your favor because it's something new. Perhaps you haven't thought about it. So, so it was really interesting to see how he used it to to match that. Very, very interesting piece. Of course, very, very much recommended. Um, yeah, I just on that point, I would say actually personally, I, I absolutely love the uh, next match only, and it, it's actually the only um, way I do it now because I, I do tend to tinker quite a lot, but I always like to have that base formation, base tactics, base team. Um, so it means that if you are a tinkerer, it means that if you do make a couple of subs, a couple of changes, it means you will then go back to that base um, formation and base um, settings and things afterwards. So I'm a huge fan of that um, addition to the game, yeah. Yeah, I, I usually tinker a lot, but I, 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 haven't thought of, I haven't thought of using it that way. I mean, perhaps I just like tinker from match to match and use the, the regular old tactics screen when it's just like, Gets set on stone forever, um, but but yeah, I mean it's it's a very useful tool if you if you know how to use it, and I, I just kind of consider it. So it's it's great to see that uh, you actually do. Um, but yes, that's all we have for that part, and we move then into the uh, community questions. We have a series of questions received uh, before we record. I'm gonna start with the first one that's uh, from FM Lama, a YouTuber that says, does anyone use the training, the goalkeeping training options and were there any, any useful advantages to them? Uh, I'm going to throw it to the floor. What about what about you? Do you look to use them often? Um, I'll be honest. No, I'll be quite honest. <laughs> I, I I don't use them. I don't do much. I tend to stick most of my training to my, to my coaches. I don't, I don't, I might feel it now again, but I'm not a hands-on manager, I would say. So I don't use them, but I'm sure someone, a lot of people do. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot, of people, a lot of people use them. What about you, Dax? Do you use them? <laughs> um, probably very similar to, um, to what you just said. Um, personally, if it was real life, I would definitely be a shorts and T-shirt, track, you know, tracksuit manager. However, on Football Manager, I'm very much a uh, Gareth Southgate in the waistcoat. Um, you know, watch from afar, manager, unfortunately. <laughs> High on the ivory tower. Yeah. <laughs> Looking on the peeps. <laughs> uh, maybe not with the teams I manage. I don't think they could afford an ivory tower, but maybe like a, um, you know, on the uh, you know gazebo roof of the clubhouse, maybe. <laughs> yeah, certainly on the roof. Um, but... 
Well, I actually do use them, and shame on both of you for not okay. using them. But I I used to be, you know, uh, very much high in the every tower, leading my my assistant manager managed training. But I believe somewhere around the middle of the FM twenty cycle, I read a fantastic article that I can sadly can't share with you because it's in Spanish. Um, about how to deal with the 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 general uh, training and all sorts of aspects about it, and I like really took on it, and I think it's they're really interesting, interesting and and useful because not only do they help uh, improve your goalkeepers, which of course it's kind of useful because they are a vital part of the team, but they also are interesting because uh, this this thing that I recently learned that is actually mentioned by uh, Fox in the Box in one of his recent uh, training videos that uh, when you set up a training a goalkeeper training session the secondary and tertiary units which are uh, defense and attack of course work on their individual roles so that's an excellent form of actually getting your place to work in their individual training because if you don't set uh, or if your assistant manager in your case doesn't set um sessions that work on individual training for the secondary or or all or, 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 or of the players individual training actually doesn't happen which is really interesting to learn uh so if you spend you know like hours of your day setting up uh, players to train in, in a specific role and in a specific way uh, and you don't set up these these uh sessions that actually let them work on that it's, it doesn't happen so it's they're quite useful um, in the guide that I read, actually, there's a funny, very, very funny quote that says something like, "You should set your 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 people to train because if the goalkeeper's training, someone is shooting at the at them." So that's actually true. Uh, so that's how how they work their individual training. So it's very very <clears throat> it's very very useful for for that. And apart from you know the the, the gains on the goalkeeper, so they're they're quite they're quite useful. FM Lama, you should use them. But yeah, let's move on then to the second question. And this one is from one of our own, and they're not with us uh, in this podcast. Hopefully, we'll have us soon. Is from Old Lady Place, aka Kate, uh, who she asks, uh, does retraining someone from their natural position to a new one lower their PA? And I'm going to go to the SI employee for this one, Luke. Um, not as far as I know. Okay. As far as I know, it shouldn't affect your PA. Don't quote me on that. But yeah. I don't think so. So, because uh, the PA is like, it could do stats, no, the attributes, sorry. So, I don't think so. Well, um, I'm going to go with you, Dax, in a second. But I think uh, what it does, actually, is uh, when they land on your position, the, uh, what's it called, the positional abilities, uh, yeah. they they gain points on position abilities. So while whilst they don't lower their PA, I think learning a new position and gaining those points occupies a spot, you know, a a, a they, they they count towards the the the, the fullest amount, you know, the, the the highest amount they can they can have. So it's it's like it's like points that can't go to attributes. If if I'm explaining myself correctly, I know yeah. about you. That's what's what's just your take on this. Hmm. Yeah, I think 
like like you said, really, I think if they've got the attributes, uh, that's what relates to the potential. Um, so I don't think, and again, I'm not in the best position to say for definite, but I wouldn't have thought that whether you're training a left mid as a left back or as a striker, I don't think it would reflect on their potential. I wouldn't have thought. No, I don't. I don't think it does. Okay, that's there you go, kid. Hopefully, we win of some help. And the next question actually is from Twitter. It's from from Marcus Tinkelson. Uh, he asks uh, whether uh, setting your your set pieces. Uh, you, you you. I'm trying to think of it as, uh, for for Luke. I'm trying to think of it as a way that doesn't sound like aggressive. Um, he asks where setting your your you. Sorry. He asked where setting your your set pieces uh, is 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 making an advantage uh, an advantage for for you in in your saves. What about you, Dax? Um, so I tend to um, select obviously um, a free kick taker who I'd prefer to have. Um, what I tend to do with uh, penalty is I I tend to utilize the uh, change player quick option that comes up when I'm awarded a penalty. Sometimes I'll give it to um, a certain player who's having a good game or certainly a a bad striker who needs a bit of a confidence boost. But with regards to um, corners and free kicks and specific routines, um, I tend not to utilize that option too much. And the reason is, and again, it it partly comes down to the fact that I mainly play as uh, part-time teams. So it's very rare that I will have more than one training session in a week. So, um, you know, one day of training. So it, it becomes quite hard to um, to go into the more advanced elements. Um, so I tend to do the sort of, you know, generic attacking set pieces as the focus of the training rather than deep diving into the uh, set piece routines as much. And like I say, I think that is mainly just to the fact that if I've only got one training session to use, it tends to be more of the generic stuff rather than the specifics. However, if I think if I was at a full-time team where you'd be training sort of four or five days a week, I think that would be exactly the sort of thing that I'd try and get the most out of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when you're doing this a semi-pro team, you, you hardly have any time for training. I mean, it's it's really hard to to manage your team to i mean just just get the familiarity up it's it's really tricky so let alone uh training for our stuff but um i i have found that myself uh i haven't found my the the corner routine particularly that i use uh for attack to be as effective in fm21 as they were in fm20 so i do set them up but i don't like hope for anything special I do think, however, the, the defensive uh, corners, particularly the, the, the free kicks, I think they're fairly fairly good from from the default settings. But the defensive corner just always, I try to remember, I always forget to, but I, I end up always doing it, taking those guys from the the posts because they're just a machine to making everyone on side and making all sorts of silly goals uh, valid. Uh, so that that's something I, I always try to remember to do to get my defensive corner routines set up because I think they make a, a, a big advantage over the default ones. What about you, Luke? I mean, I, I'm completely different to you guys. I never, ever give my pen to a bad striker. Like, that's... Like, if if they're doing bad, 
we're doing bad for a reason. I'm not risking them not scoring that penalty. In terms of set pieces, I do tend to I tend to normally listen to what my assistant says, and I don't put who are the best there because obviously if we're better at them, we're going to be better for you. Yeah, of course, and I mean, uh, I just recently um, I'm playing on the side a bit of a uh, Iceland save. I'm currently playing with uh, Fjolner. I'm, I'm hoping that's how it's pronounced. Uh, in the in the second tier of, of, of Iceland, and I managed to get uh, actually Samir Nasri, like on his 30s, late 30s, 35, I think he's uh, on the team. He's actually retiring this season, so I'm gonna lose him halfway through the season. But I mean, it was worth the hassle. And uh, yeah, and I can't put into words how 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 much it's worth to have an a, a good set piece taker. I mean, set piece taker. I mean. The difference he makes between between him taking the corners or this or the, or the free kicks and the next guy doing it is just abysmal. So I think something that's really really worth the hassle is to 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 set your to find your your a good set piece taker and put him in charge of taking those because it really really makes a difference. The movements and everything else perhaps it does a, a bit more of a difference if you really tinker with it and explore ways in which you try to you you can do it better. Uh, I think the defense probably a, a more easy way to see the, 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 the effect, you know, taking those two guys from the post, I think makes a world of difference. But in, in, in everything else, I think it depends on how, you know, like like Luke said and how and, and Doug said how in deep you go into the 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 whole movement routine thing. Uh but the taker is definitely key. I mean I'm not I'm not inventing the wheel here, but it's it's definitely a, a big, big part of it. Yeah. But okay, that's all we have for today. Thanks a lot, uh, guys. Luke, Das. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well done for hosting, as always. Ah, thanks, uh, thanks a lot. It's it's a new job, but I'm trying to, to grow into it. And of course, thanks a lot to, to our, our writers and, for of course, to everyone who listens. This has been Dictate the Podcast, the podcast for DictateTheGame.com. You can find every article we mentioned at least those that are uh, uh, on Dictated Game at dictatedgame.com. And you can find us, of course, on Twitter at Dictated Game and on Facebook with the same name. Thanks a lot and cheers. Good night. <laughs>